extra. Okay, we boys. We got some hot news straight no, out of La La Land for you. Who's who's screwing who? Who's who's got the next hot roll? <coughs> And who's the next big thing in the papers? In Hollywood land. <laughs> Do you Welcome know that? to <laughs> Twin Peaks. Oh my god. Gosh, I love movies. Great job. Just shrieking like, the news at people. <laughs> oh my god, we're like, honestly, I think those newsies were complaining a bit. Seems like a pretty good job to me. <laughs> yeah, like, shit is just so bad nowadays. We're like, you know, chimney sweep? Like, maybe I would do that. Maybe I would do an unpaid chimney sweep internship. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 is watching, like, Mary Poppins, watching the chimney sweeps and being like, damn, jealous. <laughs> Literally. Oh my god. Okay. Welcome to Twin Picks, the show where a pair of actual, real-life human twins watch two films that share some kind of similarity and have a little chat about which one does its job better. But alas, a few things are a bit different today. One of them being that one of those twins isn't here. Megan is still off doing actual work. Academic life. Academia. Um, being really clever, still doing very clever movie things, actually. Next time she comes on, we should talk Superior to her about Superior movie she's, things. Yeah, truly. She's writing a really cool thing about Australian cinema, and it's very entertaining to read. Um, but also, we're not comparing movies today. This is part two shots, part of, our little, part of our little um, movie controversies of 2020 uh, special episode. Um, which, you know, we're super psyched for, aren't we, Liz? Except for there was a little snafu. Oh, I'm even more excited than the first time we recorded this episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, a so recording friends, we, we promptly th- lost. And so now we just, we, we've just retraced our steps and we're going to have to, we're, <laughs> we'll remember what we talked about and it will be twice as nice <laughs> re-recording Literally. this episode. So the, the hopes are that, uh, my failure of accidentally <laughs> deleting part two of this means that as we re-record it now, we'll have the same opinions, but with new new respect for the topic, more knowledge, maybe a few less ums and ahs, and no. I don't know. Yeah, probably not honestly from us, but I'm I'm shooting for the stars. Yeah. Exactly. So um, we're halfway through our controversy. Should we maybe? last time we did this, did we go through, should we tell people what we already have? Yeah, absolutely. Like what, um, where, where our ranking is at the moment from the first part of this little controversies extravaganza. And I have to say, it feels like episode one, I feel like we covered a lot of like funny and like trivial ones and looking at what we have to talk about today. I'm like, oof, like, am I equipped to talk about these? Cause they're definitely more, more intense. Right. Indeed. I, I, I definitely had the thing of being like, oh, to re-record episode two, that's fine. Like, it was really fun the first time and I really liked these topics. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, these are all, like, really serious 
things all very like intellectual controversy topics but i think that's yeah again maybe we'll have some added depth yeah i'm excited to hear what you think absolutely so the first part what we covered in order from Mm -hmm. so at the moment the bottom of our ranking is the controversy that we think is like probably the least important and the one at the (laughs) top is the most significant the most controversial the most hefty and yes. the least important one we have at the moment is Christopher Nolan allegedly banning chairs on set. Very goofy. Then just silly, dumb. Yeah, it's silly. And then we have Sonic the Hedgehog getting redesigned. And then we love it. It's a good redesign. <laughs> just above that, you have actual concerns that people argued about. Media concerns over Joker and the Hunt inspiring like a shooting or I don't know causing causing antisocial or dangerous movie going incidents. Mm-hmm. And then on top we have a very topical one, movies getting pushed to 2021 versus movies just kind of getting dumped on streaming services. And I'm mm, freaking out quite, about this at the moment because of June. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, what? are they? Did they just push it? They pushed it not only to next year but October next year. Like no just a full way. Year I later. did not see that at all. Yeah. That's amazing. You know what else is weird? What? In, in part one when we talked about that, I was saying about No Time to Die – how I was hoping that they pushed that further. Mm. And they have done that, which is good. Wait, what do you mean? They pushed they it to like February or something and then they were like, actually, I think nah, I've, and pushed it further. <laughs> it was going to be November and then they announced the other day they're doing April. Yeah. And again, the, the, the movie that did this the best was Fast and Furious 9, like a few months. <laughs> oh, they're Fast and Furious. They do it quickly. <laughs> They fast. Sorry, a timer just went off my ear. <laughs> fast and Furious was going to come out in um, like, uh, like April, April or something. And the second coronavirus happened, they're like, we're moving it to twenty twenty one, middle of the year. It's because they know Corona. Think about how many times they drink Corona in those movies. They literally have like a brand <laughs> relationship with the beer, so they were like, corona "We cannot, yeah. we can't put out a movie where people are drinking this beer constantly, name dropping and and product placement in Corona. It's too topical. <laughs> so. It's too true. They don't want to trigger the audience. That's exactly. my conspiracy. It's called escapism, baby. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so we have that one. That's our, mm-hmm. that's getting the bronze at the moment, but I have a feeling it's going to yep. get bumped. And the second, yeah, the, the second most controversial one we have in our ranking currently is that stupid James Dean situation where they're getting a CGI James oh. Dean. Don't really care we to talk it. about that much longer. Um, that one hurt. <laughs> that one hurt to talk about really. I'm glad we have Just it. Brain we have, I'm glad we don't have to talk about that one again. Yeah. And then on top of that, we have the Snyder cut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, we hate them. We hate them so much. Aww. Damn. Well, we, as we said, we have some chunky things to talk about today. And I reckon, do we maybe dive in, Liz, with a bit of a Star Wars discussion? Yes. So I think you okay. are, like, more passionate about this than I am in general. Like, yeah, you I, I've care got... about Star Wars a bit more. Yeah, unfortunately, that's true. <laughs> I've got a lot of spiels to go on with this one, but let's let's obviously start off with the controversy, and I'll try and keep it focused just just for you, the listener. Aww. So, this 2020 movie controversy is that John Boyega recently did a GQ interview where he was very open and honest about his experience with playing Finn in the sequel Star Wars trilogy. Um. And I'm going to read out a little bit of the statement he made. Uh, And it's honestly, like, pretty incredible. 
And so just scroll down this little list, Liz. Okay, here we go. So uh, what John Boyega said in his interview is you get yourself involved in projects and you're not necessarily going to like everything. But what I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character, market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. Then he goes on to say, like, you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley. You knew what to do with Adam Driver. You knew what to do with these other people. But when it came to Kelly Mary Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you know fuck all. So what do you want me to say? What they want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. Nah, nah, nah. I'll take that deal when it's a great experience. They gave all the nuance to Adam Driver, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest. Daisy knows this. Adam knows this. Everybody knows I'm not exposing anything. Ooh, Pretty nah, nah, nah. huge statement. Uh, no, no, no. I don't <laughs> think so, Disney. So we love. We agree. Um, I think like this is one don't. of the controversies where I didn't see anyone getting mad about it or being like, oh, he's being really ungrateful or anything because everyone's seen the movies and they're like, yeah, what the hell happened to his character? Like, where did he go? <laughs> yes, literally 100%. Um, it's one of the most like, it, it's a really interesting case of, well, in, like, it's it's sad. I shouldn't say interesting, but, like, it is an interesting case study of brand, like, giant optical allyship of a brand and, like, tokenism. Mm-hmm. Um, and also of the concept of, like, how representation goes deeper than just making the casting choice and you actually have to have to actively consider that whilst writing your story. So... The biggest example of this being, so this new sequel trilogy is announced and the, the, like JJ Abrams tells this story, the director of the first film in the sequel trilogy, The Force Awakens, where he showed John Boyega the trailer they were going to release on set. And the very first shot of it is of Jakku, this like sand planet. Jakku. And then Jakku. And then John Boyega pops up, a black stormtrooper pops up from the ground. And it's like, and, and John Boyega, like, laughed and was like, oh, my God, the fans aren't going to like that. Like, oh, a black man's in, in <laughs> Star Wars, essentially. And it kind of reflects the statement that The Force Awakens is making. Like, here's this giant play box, or like, like sandbox of new characters and stories and experiences that we're going to tell throughout the next few films. One of them being we have a female and black man as the co-stars like representation, how amazing that is. And yeah, like there was a concerted uh, effort to be like, we're doing it like this new version and it's going to be more inclusive. And like, it's for audiences that like, that demand this from entertainment now. Yes. 100%. And even the thing of being like the only like white man, that's one of the new leads essentially is like the bad guy. And he's like a whiny little baby boy. He's literally like an incel loser. Right. And the posters, everyone remembers the marketing for this, right? Like Boyega speaks to this, was mostly a giant billboard picture of John Boyega with a blue lightsaber. Essentially, yeah. a black man is a Jedi. And what obviously a powerful representation statement that is. I um, guess like there's Mace Window as well with his purple lightsaber. Yes, true, of course. But that's like. Uh, but making the, it the main character is the thing, I guess. Yeah. Like yeah, that's and, what they I, promised I would, with that poster. Exactly. That's what they promised. And the movie does 
So it does the really, we spoke a little bit about this last time, Liz. It does the frustrating <laughs> thing where it makes a clever, like, plot twist, revel, like, reveal out of being, like, who's, like, essentially marketing-wise, they make you think that Finn is going to be the Jedi, right? And then at the end of Force Awakens, it's revealed, <gasps> it's it's Rey, it's Way. Daisy Ridley. A woman is the Jedi in this new sequel trilogy. Star Wars is growing up. Whoa. Which, as a statement, is awesome. Like, that concept is really cool. Except you're taking the mantle from a black man. Yeah, it has to be at this other character's expense. It's at the expense of a black man. So they did this fake out. Doing the fake out to make it be like, and you thought it was going to be someone else, but it's a woman is really cool, but... You've done it at the expense of a black man. And they which clearly, is like, like, did not have uh, other plans or <laughs> they, didn't, exactly. they didn't really, like, know what to do with him for the other other two movies. And Noah, exactly. I remember you saying, like, you didn't find it that egregious in The Last Jedi because you felt like, you know, he still had his side quest and they introduced this new character, Kelly Marie Tran's character, Rose. And it was like, oh, okay, interesting. Like, he's going to have his own little missions to go on. But then in the in the last movie in the trilogy, he's he's really barely in it, and he does not have defined motivations or a personality or anything really. Seeing the rise of Skywalker, like, was quite affirming to be like, oh no, this is like actually bad. Like, it is is not a. They good did not know what they were doing. Film Finn literally spends half the runtime just screaming Ray. <laughs> like he's just in scenes to like mildly assert stakes for Ray mm. by being like, I hope you don't die. Like that's literally all he does. It's yeah. bizarre. So I, I uh, look, you know, Liz, I'm a big last Jedi person. It's one of the most like electric studio, big studio tentpole release experiences I've ever had in a cinema. Like I was like smiling the whole time. Oh. Um, and I always, I, I, I do think it's valid talking about the kind of the storyline that they have for Finn in that movie in the context of this controversy, because I think uh, essentially Finn and, as Eliza said, uh, the Rose, new character Rose in that movie, have a subplot that thematically to me is about really relevant things to the universe. But again, you do just feel like it feels like the subplot because it is. <laughs> it's, it, it is the subplot, and it's the two people of color doing it. And even though the concept itself that they're exploring thematically with those two, I find really enriching. It's about I didn't like, really give a shit about it that much, honestly. So. There you go. I, I quite like that Star Wars The Last Jedi is about, like it, they say, let's talk about the word war in Star Wars. And it's about like war profiteering. Enough, and about What about war? What about war? <laughs> Literally. And about being like in this franchise that's so set on the binary of good and bad, Jedi and Sith. It's a movie about being like, well, the galaxy is full of people who just profit off war and people suffering. Mm. Um, but again, yes, John Boyega is 100% valid in saying you thought it was enough. It's what brand tokenism is in being like, yeah. you thought it was enough to just put me in the movie, but you don't understand like the weight that you therefore put in your movie. If you put a black man in it, mm. like, especially because I'm sorry, if you had on paper, the setups for the characters of Ray, Finn, Kylo, and even Poe, the one that would jump out to you most is a black stormtrooper who was stolen from his, a, a black child was stolen from his family. Uh, Basically like, like enslaved slave. and turned into a bad guy. Like 
That's crazy. And, and turn into a Nazi and then rebels. Like that literally is so incredible. And the classic thing of being like when you cast with representation and diversity, the added depth and nuance you bring your character, because that having a black man in that role is so incredible. Like literally he's like an escaped slave. And then they just do not do anything with yeah. it. Like they just don't know what to do with that. And even though that presence is in Last Jedi because they're dealing with like slave children on that planet they go to, mm. the like rich planet they go to, it's still 100% is, as you said, he gets the subplot. And it's really incredible that what this moment of Black Lives Matter is, is actors being like, well, especially someone like John Boyega saying, my priority is to my people. And yes, I'm going to speak up at rallies and events. And so like he was at London Black Lives Matter protests and spoke up and was like, I don't care if I don't have a career after this. This is my, mm. this is the moment. This is the yeah, revolution. I wonder and how like, directly, how powerful that is. Yeah, I wonder how directly that made him feel like, no, you know what, like I should talk about, out about like the more kind of invisible racism of me being cast as this big like blockbuster character and then the studio not following through with it or not having a plan for that character. Like exactly, it's a yeah. very different kind of racism to what the people in the protests were like talking about, but it's yes. all, it's all up no, to peace it and it's so 2020 totally. to be like, 100%. I know we're going to talk about it again with Disney, Disney's other little efforts where they've tried to do this, where they've um, garnered like wokeness points and then not followed through in like meaningful ways. Um, and this was like yes. a cool instance of someone in the middle of it being like, Hey, this sucks. <laughs> and like really nailing what the problem was. <laughs> Yes, literally, yeah. Yeah, as you said, someone, um, like we will speak a lot more about Disney hopefully having a few moments this year with being like, ah, oh, yes, this whole representation thing extends beyond the appearance of representation. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's incredibly powerful to see any actor putting their career on the line and speaking their truth. Um, and I think in this case it exposes a thing that Disney does horribly because we also have to mm. point out, Liz, um, I only mentioned towards the end of the last time we recorded this episode that uh, just, you know, by happenstance, about two hours or an hour after this GQ interview came out, Disney decided to release, to announce the release date of The Mandalorian Season 2, oh. <laughs> which, uh, you know which became the top of the movie news cycle for that day. Uh, and, you know, that feels a little bit convenient for a giant You think brand. they're literally, like, just dangling baby Yoda in front of your face to be like, don't look at the racism, look at this, he's so squishy, he's so cute. Uh, yeah, I don't know, I think that, that sounds about right to me. That kind of sounds like something that uh, corporate overlords would, would whip up, honestly. I feel like... I don't yeah. know, maybe I'm like a dumb hoe, but I feel like it could have just been like this crazy coincidence that I know, throws I the John Boyega thing into sharper relief where you're like, oh, guys. But it's true. But also, I don't know, I, I believe that Disney could be that <laughs> evil and sly. Totally. 100%. <laughs> oh. There you go. So that's the John Boyega uh, controversy, essentially. That, where that's are we the putting whole... that? Is that a bigger oh, deal than the Snyder Cut? Do you think that's a bigger controversy? It is. It is to me because it's about sus- – racism in the industry as well as actors using their privilege and power mm. and voice to be like yeah what you're supposed to do in this industry is sit down and shut up but literally if like go ahead do that to me see how everyone reacts i'm speaking the truth interesting so that's at the top of our list now that's at the top of our list there you go Oof. 
Okay. I think it will have competition from the next couple things we're going to talk about. I think we should zoom into talking about um, something that also was like um, Mm -hmm. catalyzed by the Black Lives Matter movement, which is a lot of shows and movies with this really questionable like racial content getting removed from streaming platforms. That's right, Lizzie Liz. You are not wrong. Do you want <laughs> to you. <laughs> you spit, spit the facts for uh, our little listeners? Basically, um, I mean, this is a conversation that's been going for ages and ages, but especially this year with everyone especially crazy and dependent about streaming platforms, um, after the riots that uh, were caused by George Floyd's death among the deaths of other black Americans, um, Gone with the Wind is a film that was removed from HBO Max. Episodes of South Park and Community were removed from streaming platforms. Um, Little Britain was removed from the BBC streaming platform in the UK. And in Australia, probably the biggest like local Aussie example would be a lot of Chris Lilly's shows where he at different times like has blackface among <laughs> the different races, like yellow face and pretending yellow to be like face. a Tongan kid in a lot of his shows. Um, yeah, a lot of Chris Lilly shows were pulled from streaming platforms too. And it's all part of like this one debate of like, is this censorship? Is this like educational? Like, is this a teachable moment? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, there's so many different angles with this one. Um, well, I want to say first off that I initially was very much on the defense of the choices of of streaming platforms and stuff to do this. Because, uh, okay, so the comment sections on, like, for example, like, Lad Bible would be like, little Britain episodes have been removed, blah, blah, blah. And all the comments below are just people clearly, like, being like, oh, you can't show anything now. Apparently now this show's racist, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And it's like, you do not get to, in this incredible cultural moment, the only topic that you a vocal about and give a shit about is racial, like racially offensive content being removed from streaming services. Like literally that is a testament to why I'm like, there is validity to doing this. Yeah. If, if like you there's get so people much who other the only stuff, response they have, yeah. yeah, literally there's so much other stuff. And the That's only like response you have. of your outrage. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there's also the thing of being like, you know, Gone with the Wind has been around for like almost a hundred years People have, it's you know, still one of the most successful movies of all time. Like, yes, you can. It, there's a million DVDs out of it <laughs> if you wanted to. You can find get it, it in every single format. You can find it on like fucking Laserdisc if you wanted to. <laughs> and then for one week, it isn't on a streaming service, and people are like, "It's book burning. It's removing culture." Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you didn't fucking care when it was it. It was on there last week and you didn't watch it and now you've decided that you're furious about it? No, you've just decided to, in this incredible cultural moment, care only about one really insignificant thing. It's pretty embarrassing, I think. Mm. But then you also had, like, a personal, like, incident happen to you, right? Where you were like, what? Oh, my God, this has been censored. (laughs) Yeah, so I was watching Community for the first time, which I was having a great time with. And I got really confused because everyone kept on referencing this incident where they play Dungeons and Dragons in the sh- in the show, and I was like, "That never happened. What are you talking about?" And then I looked it up, and I saw on Netflix it was like season two, episode twelve, or something. And then it was like season two, episode fourteen, and I was like, like oh. 
Oh, <gasps> unlucky number thirteen. Oh. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So an episode had been removed, and I looked it up, and it's an episode where Ken Jong's character does blackface, but the episode makes a point of like the characters commenting on him doing blackface like it's inappropriate. Like the point of the character is he's really problematic and he does blackface. So I guess it was an interesting experience for me to be like, oh, wow, this is literally the thing of being like, I didn't, like I usually do, like see it in the news or like see some statement about it or whatever. I literally was watching a show, got confused and went back. So Mm. and had to find it myself. In that way, I understand the inconvenience element where I'm like, how can streaming services let us know that they're pulling, if they're pulling, for example, like not entire shows, but just specific episodes and stuff. But honestly, it just affirmed for me the thing of being like, what a minor inconvenience. I understand the incentive of it. Um, And it sounds like you found a way to watch it anyway, which I'm not going to speculate on, but yeah. (laughs) Yes, no, exactly. And I know it's not forever also. So I have the, I think the Chris Lilly one is the most interesting uh, in to talk about this topic, right? Because I feel like there's actually a complete flip side of this issue that people argue that I personally don't feel is very conducive to fixing, fixing the problem, but like to this conversation, right? Which is like some people in their completely valid articles about Chris Lilly being a minstrel, like a minstrel artist, essentially say things like, stop watching this unfunny hack. It's all crap and just forget, stop pretending it's good right. and let go of it, right? Whereas I am of the opinion, right, that we grew up watching Chris Lilly shows. We would have watched those Some Heights High DVDs fucking nonstop, like on repeat. We loved it, right? And it's just like I don't think the in to get people to, to see the nuances and the importance of this moment in being like, you have to watch your art with a considered eye for the values that it's making normal, that it's normalizing. I can appreciate Summer Heights High for making me laugh more than I ever have at points and for like it being really formative to my childhood and stuff and being sure. a really funny show, but also it having highly problematic elements that I don't enjoy anymore and that I say that wasn't okay then and it's not okay now. And now that I understand more how problematic that is, I can recognise that. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, I just, again, like, as we said, a show, that, his show's been around forever. And, like, if you aren't able to go, you know what, what's the priority at this moment? And it's about, like, making sure that BIPOC voices and First Nation voices feel validated in and safe on online and in watching things and that they wouldn't feel like, you know, like imagine you're like a black person and your friend is like, Oh, I've been watching some high time on Netflix and stuff. And like, if they were really insincere or like didn't understand the cultural like offenses in that show, sure. I don't know. It, it, I don't think it's like a personal thing. And I just think, yeah, just like, with a lot of topics, we need to be able to stop looking in such a yeah. binary of like, keep it on, it's perfect, or get rid of it, it's never been funny and it's trash. Yeah, absolutely. And actually go back to being like, eh, there's good and there's bad, decide for yourself. Yeah, it's tricky because it's like some, you do yeah, need to – Respect. There, there's stuff in Summer Heights High and Chris Lilly's work that like is worth condemning and being like, we shouldn't do that. Like that, yes. that really hurts people. 
the people that he is like mimicking, like have made it pretty clear they hate this. And it comes from like hundreds of years of the same kind of oppression. So let's stop that. But if you go too far, you're like, actually, because it has those offensive bits, it is, it cannot be funny and it cannot be good or valuable in any way then you're alienating the people that have liked it a little bit or the people who don't understand those hundreds of years of, like, context. Exactly. And, like, exactly. they're and never going to get what you're, for their, like, talking about. It's 100%. Tricky. 100%. And then you just make people feel guilty for their, what yeah. they like. You know what I mean? And, like, it's not about being, making someone feel guilty. It's good if you've written some article that brings attention to someone's like artistic palette a bit more. If they watch something, they're like, oh yeah, you're right. But I don't know. I think if someone doesn't watch much TV and they've grown up loving Crystal Lee and they read an article that says, this is, I, I don't mean to tone police, like literally just, this is on the level of just talking about um, like regard for art and watching art and being like canceling art, essentially. You, you have to also just be like, you need to be engaging with stuff at this level mm-hmm. because I know it's easier for you not to, but that's why you have to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That, that's my thoughts on this. I actually want to, before we move on, point out a um, something that I saw a few years ago that to me like blew me away back then. It's word for word perfect. And I think a lot of different streaming services should start implementing things like this. This is a um, like a kind of a content warning that's, Warner Brothers put on the DVDs of their Looney Tunes cartoons. And I'm going to read it out right now. Yeah, it says, it's like you can't watch the show without seeing this title card before it, right? Yes, it, it's at the start of an episode when you click play. It says, the cartoons you were about to see are products of their time. They may depict some of the ethnic and racial prejudices that were commonplace in American society. These depictions were wrong then and are wrong today. While the following does not represent the Warner Brothers' view of today's society, these cartoons are being presented as they were originally created because to do otherwise would be the same as claiming these prejudices never existed. Yeah. Which is like a testament to accountability. I think a, a statement like that works before something like, for example, Gone with the Wind. Sure. Whereas it's a bit harder with something like a Chris Lilly show where the creator themselves hasn't yeah has been and it's like this was 10 years ago <laughs> like these aren't yes. old attitudes like exactly. many people still problem- clearly feel like this <laughs> yes exactly and it's also worth pointing out liz that like where australia is a younger nation and we like to pretend that you know i saw this amazing tweet but like saying you know australians are a deeply racist society the collective cultural lie that we're laid back and yeah. um, understanding like we are actually if you spend some time, Eliza, if you spend some time in America, <laughs> but like, you know, America is way further along in its um, civil rights work than we are in regards to like Indigenous Australians and Torres Strait Islanders and things like that. So it does, you know, that does depend for each each show. But yeah, I just think that is a good example. That Warner Brothers preface is a good example of being emphatic. Of, like they said, they are not, these attitudes are not acceptable, but yes, they were like, and they weren't then. Yeah. you still can watch this and process it. And you know, you should, you should be able to do that. Yeah. 100%. Man, we where love, are we going to um, put this where, guy? 
Yeah, um, I personally would say we sandwich it in in between the first and third spot. So mm. just below John Boyega oh, being yeah. uh, disappointed in Disney with his Star Wars character. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think it is a very present issue that we're going to keep on talking about uh, into the future, honestly. Yeah. The, the Gone with the Wind thing was interesting because they said, like, we're only taking it off temporarily, which can feel a little bit, like, performative if they're like, once we're not in trouble anymore, we'll put it back on. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. I, I think it would have, so like, I don't know. I, I think it would have been worse no, if they premiered their app by being like, you can watch Gone with the Wind right here. It's like, uh <laughs> Yeah. Didn't you, you mentioned last time, though, that they're, um, they're going to bring it back with some, like, bonus content that includes yeah. a commentary from like a, a, a I believe like so. A, I think they're getting a, like, a diversity consultant or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or like just film historians from like Turner Classic movies. Right. I think they're including get like a DVD commentary thing where it's like while you're watching this like grand movie, you'll have like a modern voice in your ear being like, huh, so this is why they did that and this is why Hattie McDaniels, even though she won the Oscar, wasn't allowed inside the theatre and stuff and like stuff that you kind of need to know to understand the movie from like a a 2020 perspective, which is probably the way to do it. I don't know if if people will really listen to it. I hope like it would be neat and like I would be interested in it, but uh, yeah, we'll see how effective it is. Are you much of a just – a bit off topic, but are you much of a bonus features person at no. all? Like, even as someone who gets like Criterion Blu-rays and like you loves watch Blu-rays them. and stuff like that, I just I'm not much of a Blu-ray, a uh, much of a bonus feature. It's such person. a like 2000s thing, don't you reckon? Like, oh yeah, it's just not around that much anymore because of streaming platforms. Like, you would never go click on like let's watch the bloopers. <laughs> Yeah, I hate bloopers. I just don't like them. Oh, I know you've ragged on the Pixar ones before. (laughs) That is my grumpy. Yeah, I tweeted. It's my most grumpy old man opinion that (laughs) I hate animated movies when they have fake bloopers at the end. It's a lie. It's a fucking lie. But you know what? The one DVD I would say I know the special features back to back is The Incredibles. Oh yeah, we for like sure. worship those Smash that special shit. features. Also, Jack Jack Attack, the bloopers, the bounding <laughs> <laughs> little oh, bounding. I used to have so many of the shorts, the Pixar shorts, on my little iPod. I'd love them. That's okay. I love Gerald's game. Wait, Gerald's game. Gerald's, oh my God, I call yeah. Gerald's game. Ah, oh, that's so funny. Holy Lord. shit, what's it called? It's called like I think it's called Gary's game or Jerry's game. It's very that similar. Is so funny. He's Can like you imagine up to Jerry. a bed. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, so I only realized like a few years ago when I watched it, I was like, isn't this so dumb? I would always watch that short. And I was like, oh, he's playing against himself. What did you think it was? I don't know. I just (laughs) thought it was a weirdly shot version of like two twins playing or something. Oh, wow. What a dumb, dumb kid I was. Oh. How stupid is that? The short is (laughs) obviously about that. (laughs) So funny. Didn't you think it was really boring then? Because you're like, oh, he's just playing a game of chess with a guy. Like, why did you I watch it? I don't know it? what I was thinking. I think maybe I did know it. It just didn't click or something. Right. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Shall we do a goofy one? Or one that makes me smile rather than rather than makes me, like, Let's nod just... somberly and stroke my little mm. beard? <laughs> indeed. Your little, um, yeah, your little grey <laughs> wise man beard. Indeed. Let's do it. Let's do a cheeky one. Imagine. Imagine. Imagine a cheeky one. <laughs> Imagine oh. if a group of celebrities... Like, like <laughs> Corona happens, lockdowns are, are getting put in place all around the world. And like five minutes into COVID, 
some celebrities <laughs> are like, we need to fix this broken and sad world by singing John Lennon's Imagine and making a big supercut of all of us singing it and, and put it online. And people will love it. And people didn't love it. Most people did not appreciate the video. <laughs> So, I just yeah. love that this happened, Eliza. I love that it happened. Doesn't it make you feel bad? Like, are there people in there where you're like, why did you do it? I like you. Yes. There's a weird multi-tiered reaction <laughs> thing that happens here where celebrities you like embarrass themselves. But also... You can I see how they got in that position, though, as well. Indeed. You can see how they got in that position. And what did I just say indeed? Sometimes I sound like a, such a like, fancy old man recording <laughs> this podcast. Anyway, um, but I think a great part of lockdown has been people being forced to be internal and, like, come back to themselves. Like, I don't know if that's just you, like me, but I've had lots of friends be like, because I've spent so much time with myself, yeah. I've realised all the times I neglect myself things or like how I put value in things outside of myself and stuff. Wow. And a big part of that is the whole world's relationship to fame and celebrity. Right. And I have loved, absolutely adored that this lockdown has made people be like, oh, they're kind celebrities are kind of dorks. Like they're like all when losers. They're out of the news, when every single headline for like months and months on end, and it kind of still is, was just this is happening, the coronavirus. Celebrities must have been like, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> like, exactly. When their movies pushed to next year, like all they can do is reveal how how easy their lives are and it makes people annoyed. <laughs> literally, literally all they do, like they are so desperate to feel relevant and it's like, oh, my gosh, for once no one fucking cares about celebrities right now and they can't handle it and that like manifests oh, we've in been too harsh. the Imagine video. I think some people like no. the video. I remember seeing some people who were like, oh, this put a smile on my face. I've been like, oh, wow, I didn't know they were friends. Like I didn't know, I didn't know Sia and Will Ferrell were friends. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're not. Oh, like, they, I'm they sure they would have just like stood aside from whatever like meeting they had at like <laughs> Universal and just recorded their one line of Imagine into their phone and sent it we off to Galvido. We need to break down because we'll talk. Uh, I think we'll talk about Imagine and then we'll talk about one that actually says a bit more about like genuinely highlighting the celebrity, like performative allyship problem of oh, that sure. video where they're like, I take responsibility. Because that one is more one where I'm like, this actually says something about. Yeah. Oh, I guess I can just quickly say that one is a video where a bunch of celebrities put the black and white filter on their camera and film themselves saying, I take responsibility <laughs> in response to racism in the entertainment and industry. They were just like, and it's like, stop, don't. <laughs> it's so bad. Literally, it's just like the most vapid, hollow statement to be like, we think racism needs to stop. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, no one cares. Just do You're it. Right. The most cringeworthy one being, I. I saw it like when I close my eyes, I see it. Aaron Paul, he's sleep literally, <laughs> literally, literally looking like he's doing a self tape. Like I take responsibility, and he has his hands in front of his face. Oh. There's a really funny parody video that's like, oh, I might try and put it in the in the notes for this episode. It's so Beautiful. funny of these people right. like making fun of the, all the actors and stuff doing that one, being like, I take responsibility. Wow, this this script, it's really good. I really like it. Really, 
really hope I get the part. Wow. Like, no. literally acting like it's a script and not supposed to be, like, yeah, a statement of allyship. Just, yeah. like, the most stupid, stupid thing you could do right now. I think you're right that that one was felt a lot more, like, come on, guys, this is so embarrassing. It was way more cringy. Because yeah. it's, like, the Imagine yeah. one, at its best, like, at its most well-intentioned, it was famous people being like, we have lots of fans. Like, maybe we can make people smile if we all sing this this corny ass exactly. song. Whereas, it isn't actually hard. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this one is, like, capitalising on a, like, progressive movement and like taking attention away from it and being like we take responsibility it's like what does that mean what are you guys doing <laughs> literally. you're not taking responsibility <laughs> oh it's so embarrassing Man. literally um let's talk about some of our faves in in the imagine video so yeah so gal gadot apparently gal gadot she was like the mom behind it <laughs> she was she's the artist Poor she lady. messaged a bunch of her her actor famous friends to do it um Chris O'Dowd did a very funny interview recently where he's like, ah, yes, the first wave of creative sludge that came out of lockdown. (laughs) Sludge. Creative (laughs) sludge. Um, And he was essentially claimed that, like, none of them really knew that it was going to be posted publicly and none of them knew also that they were all going to be, like, edited together like that. So he was also like, why are all the key, everyone's singing in a yes. different key? It sounds horrible. They're like, you oh, may say, so I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Only one. Actually, that was in key. Oh, my God, I can't be off key. I'm just too talented. <laughs> yeah, literally, we can't do it. We can't, yeah. And, like, it's just everyone, uh, okay, all the comedians don't know whether they're going to commit to being funny or yeah. singing it. So you get a weird Will Ferrell where it's, like, shot from his chest <laughs> under his chin and he looks like a mad scientist with like wacky hair. Oh. <laughs> and, and then you have people like Sia, like actual musicians who are like, I yeah. am going to sing the, <laughs> the hell out of this. And it's just a hard watch. I, think. I can't, yeah. I have, I'm not even kidding. I've yet to finish it. <sighs> I think do you have one favourite person or one person who you felt the most sympathy towards? Is that Chris O'Dowd for you? Well, especially hearing him talk about it, I felt bad for him. I think Jamie also... Dornan, Dornan talked about it as well, where he's like, I don't know, I thought it would be cute and it just wasn't. Like, it was just awkward. <laughs> oh, my God. My favourite oh. is Natalie Portman, who I think puts in the least effort. And also you get a glimpse of, like, how rich <laughs> she is. Like, she's in some beautiful house with, like, a huge backyard. And she's just like, no hell, be low us. And that's it. What do you think that – okay, I'll be Gal Gadot, you be Natalie Portman. Okay. And I'm going to ask you, okay, ready? All right. Um – Hi, Natalie. Uh, it's Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's actually like a super busy day for me right now. I'm sorry, Gal. Oh, I know no, no, we're Gal pals, but I only have like one minute. What's, what's <laughs> on? What's on? Hello, my Gal pal. I definitely have a group chat called Gal Pals. It's amazing. Um, Natalie, I was wondering, um, I'm putting together, you know, the world's really struggling right now. And I is think it? what people need. <laughs> um, what? What's happened? Uh, apparently it is. Um, uh, there's some virus thing going around and I think it's making some people sick. And I think what people Aww. need to be reminded of right now is love. Um, so maybe would you like to, with me, uh, I'm putting together, oh, well, I won't tell you how I'm doing it. Just, Ooh. just, do you want to contribute to a special little video for <sighs> some people who really need it? All I need is the beautiful song Imagine by John Lennon. 
I need you to just film yourself to sing. I don't have time to sing, to sing a, Imagine by John Lennon. I don't have to. You don't have to sing the whole song, That song goes for, like, more than two minutes. You don't have to sing the whole song. Just do, like, a short line. Is there a line in that particularly that speaks out to you, that song? <sighs> um, I mean... I like when he says, no hell below us. That's kind of metal, I guess. Oh, wow, Natalie, your beautiful vocal tones. You sound so Wait, beautiful. Wait, you recorded it just then? Yeah, that's it. Bye. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Get like, that's probably it. I, I feel like that that's kind of what happened. That's what happened, probably. That makes the most sense to me, personally. Wow. There you oh, go. Gosh. And also, we have to talk about Imagine as well, just as a song. Yeah. It is, like... I know a lot of people enjoy this song. I like the sound of the song. But as, like, even before all these celebrities, like, enhanced its corniness, this song was already quite patronising. Like, being written by John Lennon, like, literally, like, one of the members of the the greatest band in history or whatever, insanely rich, lived in a penthouse, like, overlooking Central Park. Like, for him to write a song that's like, imagine if we had no possessions, imagine how good the world would be when people are literally, like, dying, have no health (laughs) care, like, are suffering and have nothing. Like, to sing a song um about that it kind of, a celebrity it kind of, uh, <laughs> in, in a way it's kind of perfect for this video in that exact way a bunch yeah. of rich people privileged people being like it's gonna be okay we all have each other and it's like yeah you can say from your like, <laughs> own mansion. like help us give us yeah, money literally. please <laughs> yeah oh i just God. generally i'm not a huge fan of songs that are like we can make the world better. Yeah. It can be better. I'm like, <sighs> everyone yes, thinks that. Yes, it's such a bad genre of song. Like, um, all Who the, all all the like, celebrity sing-along ones. Like, um, oh, yeah. What's do they called? know it's that Christmas one? or whatever? Like, those suck. Yeah. They are not good. Have you ever heard yeah. um, the Nickelback song, If Everyone Cared? No. <laughs> oh, I have a funny one to tell you about after you tell me about If Everyone okay. Cared. Go if Everyone it. Cared. It's like this, where it's a song that kind of vaguely is just about, like, what if people weren't sad? And the lyrics are like, if everyone cared, nobody cried. <laughs> it's like, if if everyone was nice, we'd see the day when nobody died. It's like, would we? I, don't, I think people still have to die. <laughs> but people will still die. That's the point they're trying to make. God just, damn. If people were nice, things would be good. <laughs> I just don't get who walks away from these songs feeling any change. Anyway, this I've recently started i got a new electric guitar which has been very Ooh. fun and with that i've been trying to learn like songs i quite like and i really like that new john mayer song new light so i've been listening to some of his other music and like mm. it's pretty good um but he has this one song it's one of his most popular songs and it was written like i think like 10 years ago and if it was written now it would be slammed. It's called Waiting on the World to Change. Do you know that song? Oh, we keep on waiting, 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 waiting on the world, on the world. Yeah. It's literally the most white male privileged song in the world <laughs> of a dude being like, the world is hard, but there's nothing I can do about it, so I don't do anything. <laughs> That's the whole song. It's literally him oh being like, God. what is it? He's like, he's like, it's not that we don't care. We just know that the fight ain't fair. I'm like, fuck off, John Mayer. You're a rich man. Yeah, it's literally you like could do more than anyone. excuses. Exactly. And literally it's like a fun song being like, the world is shit, but the good people can't do anything about it. I'm like, um, <sighs> yeah, a lot of men have that perspective but- and you should not be encouraging it. You should be telling people to give a shit. And do it's also think- funny. Yeah. 
because he made a video making fun of the Imagine video. He, he did, like, a video making fun of them. I can't remember what it was, but I was like, um, you can speak, little miss waiting <laughs> on the world to change. But do you think if anyone else made that song, it would be uplifting? Because it's like, oh, wow, this is, like, you know, it's true. Like, you kind of just have to wait for, like, society to progress enough to make that it affects your life. Like, you can't make, like, huge systemic change. But because it's Definitely John Mayer singing it, sentiment. it's like, dude, you actually could donate a lot of money and significantly help <laughs> yes. the world. <laughs> yes, of course, of course I get the thing of being like, the point of being a person who helps other people is being like, you have to know going in that it isn't going to be like at the day you die, they're like, and you created world peace. Like, of <laughs> course, it's about being like, I might only chip away a little bit, but it, that's the point that I chipped away a little bit. Yeah. I get that. But still, you don't sing a song being like, I don't do anything because it's not going to change shit. Like, oh, my God, shut up, John Mayer. Go <laughs> donate, like, all your money and you will save lives. Wow. Dumb man. Anyway, yeah. that's that's this thrilling controversy, which I find quite it, it, it was quite calming, especially being like, we have to remember that, you know, lockdown, isolation, COVID exists in like different eras. And this was the yeah. early era of like This was Tiger the King. golden days of quarantine, baby. This was fun. This was like when it was almost a novelty to be like, wow, I can't believe this is really happening. And then yeah, this video and I'm like, came Oh, out. I get to be inside all the time. Yeah, literally. <laughs> exactly. I reckon this, uh, you know what? I need to take your opinion about where we put this first. I don't really know. I think it's below Snyder Cut, and that's it. Is that you too think high? it's bigger than that's too high? Surely, no. the the CGI thing, the the James Dean CGI thing, the Uncanny Valley thing, but that might not is even an be ongoing happening. problem forever. Uh, no, but it's a but what it reflects matters, and that movie is happening. That movie's being made. I actually, yeah, I I don't believe that the movie might even be made. I think it could just be in some weird like like gimmicky publicity thing and then it's never going to eventuate but interesting i'm gonna i'm gonna agree that the imagine things should go below the james dean casting thing because yeah, i think I'll do that. i feel like when this video came out everyone was like oh my god celebrity culture is dead and that's really not like I, yes I, yeah i don't think it's really knocked our obsession with famous and sexy people that much yes literally all right that's the one so this next controversy I feel will be pretty high in the ranking of 2020 controversies, mostly because it is chunky. It is a four, I would say a four-tiered oh my God. controversy, okay? And that is Mulan 2020 as, Just a, all as of a film. It. All of it, okay? I'm going to go down the list quickly of the four things. I'm going to do my very best, Okay. Number one, the most simple one essentially, is that uh, it was released, instead of being released in cinemas, they released it straight to the Disney Plus, Disney's streaming service. But you had to pay a premium fee on top of the service fee for it. Which meant on top of paying $39.99 on top of your subscription. And then in like December, it just becomes a part of the service. That's the first part. The second part being that there were calls to boycott the film because the star Liu Yifei uh, came, like made posts publicly uh, in support of the Hong Kong police in regards to the Hong Kong riots and protests. That was where- like 
Was that pretty early this year or was that even last year? That was that was pretty early and it was the earliest part of this controversy, a thing that quite early on people were talking about, um, which is, you know, really alarming, like controversy that, that we'll, we'll get into. The second uh, side of this one being that the film is about, you know, representation, it's about a Chinese story and other than the actors and casts, every, almost every single person behind the scenes, director, writers, producers, everyone is white. Everyone. I think the writing writing team is the most egregious thing where it's like, they had like five writers on the movie and all of them are white. It's pretty crazy. Like It's absolutely incredible. If you'd like, think ridiculous. it, even cynically, they'd be like, we need a person of color. Like even just for show. Literally. Here, but even they just, didn't go that far. <laughs> like, literally. Really it's the most, it's wild. Yeah. Um, and last of which the film has been criticized for. This was very close to its release that this really started getting some traction as well as horrible representation and a lead actress that uh, was supporting, you know, quite a horrible police force. The filming of the movie took place in Xinjiang, uh, in areas where there were Uyghur Muslims being held in uh, concentration camps, essentially in what they call re-education camps, which is literally part of the genocide of the Uyghur people. Um, as you heard in this giant rant, that is just a constant, constant barrage of absolute idiocy from Disney that speaks to the thing we talked about just before with the Star Wars topic in the biggest takeaway from this one that feels like it does have ripples. We talked last time a bit, Eliza, about being like that we've heard different We've heard about, like, I've heard about this issue a lot, even from people who don't really watch movies, where you, you haven't as much. Yeah. But this issue hopefully is a big signifier that we are so fucking beyond the point of the appearance of representation and wokeness, and we give a shit about being like, that matters behind the scenes, that matters in the process of making your movie, and that matters in the process of the values that the people making that movie hold. Yeah, like, especially for the kind of movie this is. Like, if you're making a movie that's really celebrating Chinese, like, history and culture, and compared to all the other recent, like, Disney live-action adaptations, this movie was one that felt especially, like, prestigious. Like, it looked really kind of adult and, like, it yeah. looked like a Wuxia movie is something you pointed out last time. Like it's yeah, exactly. It's trying to fit into this mold of like Chinese genre cinema. It's like, oh, well, this could be something really new and like at the same time, really respectful of tradition and stuff. And the way that they made it was by filming it near and near internment camps. And like the lead actress is like denigrating Hong Kong protesters, like fighting for their independence from like a tyrannical <laughs> like Chinese government. It's like, oh no, you accidentally brought up everything really troubling about contemporary China. <laughs> like, oh my it's God, just this could have gone worse. It literally couldn't have gone worse. It's the most baffling like accumulation of idiocy you can imagine. Um, as, as you said, like it, it was quite embarrassing, honestly. I had made an Instagram uh, like post on my story being like, I've been getting into a lot of subgenres, like doing deep dives on, on a lot of subgenres this year, such as, mostly like westerns 
samurai films, which are like Japanese, and martial arts films, particularly, as you said, which are martial arts films, like Hero, if you haven't seen Hero, oh my god, watch Hero, and like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and stuff. And um, Japanese uh, samurai is a lot worse in this sense, but uh, martial arts films, I, I literally would look up like great female-driven Chinese martial arts movies, and the list is not long, and um, there's a lot more modern ones, like, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is great in that respect, but it's very common in that genre of movies that the only role for a woman is the wife or girlfriend of the lead male hero, and her character arc is that she loves her husband and wants him to put down the sword so that she can pledge her love and allegiance to him and that, you know, like put down the sword and just be my, be my lover. I just want you. That's the ty- typical trope, right? So, so like, you're saying like this on, movie was promising and you're paper, excited Mulan, to see it in some ways. On paper, Mulan looked great. Like literally the only one of these Disney remakes that seems like it was valid in the existing at all. Like, and literally, kind of seems saying, like its own movie a bit. Yeah, totally. They were literally being like, what if we made with our big old Disney budget, a big, like it made sense to me that they weren't doing the musical, that they weren't doing songs, that they were saying we're literally going, here is a action female-driven Chinese story. And that on paper is so good. But again, that just shows why all of this is so egregious and horrible because it's a slap in the face to (laughs) the values of the very story it's trying to tell, which is a thing that you get with fucking Disney. Like you just get this thing where I'm like, uh, I don't know about you, Liz, but I've just been talking lots recently about being like the values of when you're making a movie, like, like just how the Disney thing, like disrespects the very stories they're telling in Mm -hmm. the way that they tell them. Like, you know, all of Star Wars being about defeating a tyrannical empire. And then Disney is a giant corporate overlord. Like stuff like that. (laughs) Where you're like, how do you not see that the point of art is like, telling stories about thing like like not just telling plot but telling stories and therefore you can't bullshit behind the scenes because that's the whole fucking point yeah i think it's also like the mulan like these four controversies stacked on top of each other i mean there's Mm. more than four i reckon like this movie has just been through so much shit yeah um it sort of feels like an interesting like result of this like decades long experiment that hollywood has had in being like having Asia as a second market of being like, you know, you get a lot of your money from, you know, American audiences, like a blockbuster will come out here and stuff, but they also depend on um, especially like big action and sci-fi movies to do really well in like Asian nations as well. Like movies like the Transformer movies and stuff like that and superhero movies, now they make back, like they depend on, Asian yeah. countries to make back like a certain amount of their budget. Exactly. Because actions, um, explosions, uh, universal. The universal you know I mean? like, language. Yeah. Beautiful. The universal language and explosion, literally. <laughs> and Mulan feels like it's especially being like, oh my God, this is perfect. Like we can pander directly to an audience that like this story is like part of their like folklore. Oh my God. This will be like the perfect synthesis of like, Disney super slick like American capitalism making something yeah. for this Asian second market yeah. and instead like every possible problem that could have come up between making like you know using an American studio to make a very Chinese movie it's like 
everything that could gone could have gone wrong kind of has. And also, yeah. I don't think the movie's very good. I don't think it's got a lot of positive buzz. Yeah, I, I, I saw like a short video breaking down the like the editing of the action and stuff as well. And it literally is the thing I've been like, again, representation behind the camera isn't just to be like, oh look, we had someone sign off right on representation. this. It's also the thing of like. You watch it and you're like, that is a white director doing this. Like, it's just like when you cast a, like, as an actor in Melbourne, you commonly hear idiot people being like, oh, they need a car. Oh, they just gave that one to a black person because they needed a black person. And it's like, A, that's like horribly tokenistic and offensive. But you're also overlooking the fact that a black person has such a different wealth of experience that they will bring to that character like literally with this story of Milan why would you not have Chinese writers because then they will put their own life experiences and culture and respect into the script and why would you not do that with a director like when you watch something like Hero which is my favorite martial arts movie probably honestly um, oh no oh honestly no sorry I disrespected my boy Bruce Lee there fists of fury all the way but um but it's a movie where you're like, yes, the direction of this clearly is like so such a like douchey word, but like symbiotic with the action, like the right. action and the direction flow together. Whereas in the short clips I've seen of Milan, like the editing is so haphazard. It's like a born movie. But <laughs> as we've talked about in, for example, our Seven Samurai episode, like the great thing about martial arts is it's so cinematic, like the way that you can film martial arts taking place, like, because it's so like it's oh, like a no. dance, and they you know, it's like you're filming dancing at all. No, it's just like ugly action mm. editing from white people, and you're like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. It's just like the opposite of what this should be. I remember yeah. the way that they um, like responded to a lot of that criticism. Like the costume designer was this white lady, and the writing the writing team is all white. And I remember them like as the movie was coming out in press statements, they were like, "You don't like." you can criticize, but you don't know how much work we've put into studying this movie. And the costume designer was like, yeah, I went to like many different museums in Britain and went to their Chinese section. And it's like, oh no, like you're getting a curated version of Chinese-ness everywhere you look. And then like, you don't, like, there's no one in the process that's going to say no to you. Like, as if Disney's going to listen to any, like, Chinese or any qualified person on their team who's like, actually, I don't think you guys are on the right track or, like, this doesn't seem yeah. right to me. Like, it's, it's pretty clear Literally. they were just going to tunnel ahead with whatever vision they thought would work. Yeah, you actually speak so well to that thing. That's so true. I want to actually point out, and, like, with the costume designer thing, the exact flip side of that that you get when you... Uh, hire a person that can authentically tell that story. I'm going to talk about Ruth E. Carter, um, who's the costume designer for Do the Right Thing, Black Panther, um, and Amistad. I want to thank Molly Ward, who's a very faithful listener to this podcast. Hello, Molly Ward. She recommended to me, friend of the pod, she recommended to me um, this great show on Netflix called Abstract, where like every episode talks about a different element of design. And there's an episode that's just focused on Ruth Carter and it literally is the thing that makes you go, oh, this is why cast, like, um, hiring authentically matters. She has this incredible episode. She talks about so many incredible choices. But my favourite anecdote she gives is um, she did the costume design for Steven Spielberg's Amistad, which is a uh, film about uh, a slave ship. And 
when she was designing costumes for the extras, so like all the slaves, she went to the National Library of Congress and looked up old ads for slaves, like literally white slave owners would put like ads in the paper being like, I have this guy called Tom. He looks like this and he can do this and this and this. And yeah. In like a really pragmatic way, right? Like advertising. Exactly. For their like use as a slave. 100%. And she would build the costumes for the extras, the little extras in the background around those stories. And then on set, when she gave the extras, their costumes would say, I based this on a slave called Tom and Here's his story, and uh, that's all that we know about him. But now that I've tried to put that into the costume, and now you can try and live that. And obviously, that's a different story. That's like a slave drama, but right. it is compared the to like more of, like a fantasy spectacle. Like that a fa- one yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, seems to like be. a big yeah, like but action I get your point film. absolutely. But the point of like that's what you get when you authentically cast when when you authentically yeah represent a culture if you're telling a cultural story like it literally cannot be overlooked how important it is man i'm bombed i'm i'm like depressed <laughs> yeah it's oh, so sad on. and it's also sad because it literally is something that feels like oh god is disney going to keep doing this like all eyes are on them for the future kind of i feel like i think probably it's top of the list for me yeah same I think, like <laughs> I think Mulan, the movie, is almost kind of lucky that it came out in this year with a bajillion other depressing news stories. And, like, yeah, yeah, like you were saying, like, you've talked about it heaps with people. I haven't really, like, even talked about Mulan with my friends or, like, with movie-making people because well, the people there's just so much other shit going on. The podcast on. listening don't understand that Eliza's an old lady, so she doesn't go on mm. TikTok. And I have seen it all over TikTok. Like, to me, it felt like... Maybe that's just obviously TikTok listens to you, so maybe it just knows my knows my vibe. But personally, I feel like I was quite. Um, I'm always empowered by TikTok, creating a sense of community among oh the young God. people. But it seems like a lot of people have been like, "Mulan is trash." So wow, there you go. I think, I think yeah. It's Are we both going to say the exact same thing? This should go on top of the list at the moment. I think so. Just, because, it's so many things. Yeah. Do you like, think if any of the individual controversies, like if it was just Liu Yifei saying, I stand with the Hong Kong police, like I'm ready to, I mean, I stand with um, Chinese police in Hong Kong. Like, do you think that would be at the top of the list as well? Or it would be near the top at least? It's like mm, any of the individual controversies so would top. be up there. And all of them together. It's so near the top. Is, is pretty oh, hefty. Yeah. We actually didn't speak too much on the Liu Yifei. We're speaking so much. I'm sorry. We've always got lots to say. You just kind of have to deal with it. I just wanted to quickly say that that one does have some more interesting implications that we talked about last time, Eliza, such as, you know, if you're bringing that energy to her cast, uh, to her politics, you have to do that with, like, what do you do then with Chris Pratt being part of a very homophobic church? What do you do with, Gal Gadot, you know, yeah. Wonder Woman herself, what, what, like she used to be a soldier for the Israeli army and uh, is very still like affirming yeah. of that experience. Um, or just like, like any celebrity that is like, I support the troops, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, I just like think that's, every... that's an always tricky one. Yeah. 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 I think, well, I don't know. It was just like during the news cycle of everyone watching Hong Kong, and seeing, like, the immense amount of, like, protesters and, like, just the incredible, like, Chinese media bias against them to then have, like, kind of, <laughs> I felt like 
you got this sense that Disney was ready to really introduce Leary Faye and be like, here she is. And then like, as soon as she opened her mouth, she was like, um, I think protesters should be killed or whatever. And I have not heard of her since. Like she's just been like silenced somewhere and like, they're like, yeah, we're not going to let that happen. Yeah. And it felt like the media trail was, was a lot small. Obviously it would have been smaller anyway, but I was like, yeah, we don't hear much from her, do we? Yeah, mm. there man. Go. There you go. That's the oh, one at the top of the list for us. Oh, I think this, like, we only have two more to cover, you guys. Please stay with us. This, the <laughs> second last one we're going to cover today is also quite intense. And, like, I've seen a it lot is. of people get really angry online about this one. It is. And I am really, this is why I was like, we have to re-record the episode of Lies because I would love our discussion of this controversy to be public for the world to see because Ooh. I actually feel like it's a controversy that people my big problem with it is people aren't informed enough on all the facts about it let's do you want to talk about yeah. cuties? let's, let's talk it. about cuties what do you feel people are misinformed about because so I think yes. I think the big um question of this controversy is is the movie at the center of this scandal really like some big villainous like problematic movie or was this just like a big marketing fuck up yes 100 percent. so um like a month and a little bit ago netflix released a trailer for a movie a french movie it had picked up from sundance i think called cuties and the trailer itself and the poster for it clearly blatantly fetishize young children because the movie itself is about a troop of like young women doing um, like young they are like 10 and 11 very, years old that very young um like as part of like a dance troupe like doing like twerking and like that kind of stuff like think like wop like that style um and it immediately receives so much backlash uh because you know we live in a pedophilic world that it, it, it's, you know, we are constantly kind of indoctrinating children with that kind of thing. And this trailer cl- kind of looks like it's promoting the movie as such. But the problem here is Eliza has seen the movie. I have not. The uh. movie itself has been picked up by Netflix and marketed that way, extremely irresponsibly and recklessly, possibly just for traction and media. Cause you know, any press is good press. That's another controversy. The movie itself, though, is about the fetishization of young girls. Like, the movie itself is about how we do that to girls. And it's directed by a black Senegalese woman. And it's partly uh, autobiographical. Like, it's partly her life. You can probably speak more to that, Liz, because you've seen it. Do you want to, like, yeah, just I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I think, like, I know a lot of people will still think this movie is, like, made for an audience of exclusively pedophiles <laughs> but um um uh, the actress tessa thompson was one of the movie's big defenders on twitter and she came out and said like oh i saw this movie at sundance or can or something she was like it's really just like a social realist film about like how how much this like fucks up a child when they're in this environment and they're encouraged to be sexy and be seen like this when they're so young and like when you watch mm. the movie um like it does have these disturbing sequences of these kids doing incredibly adult dances that they they've literally just watched on their phones and copied and 
Um, it's meant to freak you out. It's very disturbing watching you said tiny it was like little quite girls. Heavy handed, like it's quite obvious that it's talking about that. That like yeah. it isn't like it's trying to shoot them. Almost it's like to the detriment of the like, film. Like there's a right. lack of subtlety that towards the end of the movie, I was like, oh, all right, all right. <laughs> and like there you go. Um, yeah, I feel like most audiences, if you actually like sat down and checked out the movie it's quite blatant in how it compares like the main character. She comes from this conservative Muslim family and like her family's trying to push her in one direction. And this like, you know, these group of girls who do this like sexy, like twerking or whatever is trying to, you know, is giving this main character validation and pushing her in another direction. Like it's, I I feel like, if not for this um, marketing and stuff, the conversation about the movie would be so much quieter and it would be yeah. really different. Which again speaks to being like, I guess that's successful marketing, but it's very, we can't at all like applaud it. Like that is just dangerous, I think. Mm. But I don't know, it just does speak to the very difficult issue. I think, again, a big part of this one is just misinformation. Like people just didn't, like I did get a bit annoyed. Like people just wouldn't, like do a quick Google search, like at all. Like the quickest Google search reveals the director doing huge, huge interviews every single, like all along the press trail talking about being like, yeah, I'm really passionate about how we sexualize young women. Mm-hmm. And Tessa Thompson being like, well, yeah, the movie's about that. Um, again, this isn't to say that your personal taste can't be, well, like it's so valid to be like, I think that making a movie about the fetishization of young women that then does that by like having scenes of fetishizing young women like in the process of condemning it your opinion as to how you're still putting that media into the world somehow you're still putting that media into the world yes but then we get into the tricky conversation liz that we talked about last time of like if you are like i want to write a piece of art about how we do that to young women how, how, what does that look like? Like we have to be able to tell these stories and I just get so scared whenever we censor art or we go like, you have to like sandpaper off the edges of this or you have to adjust this to this to this. Cause I go like, uh, the world yeah. is full of really, it's why I love horror. Like the world is full of really tricky, difficult, yeah. horrible atrocities. And the point of art is to teach people shit and to make people walk away and have a think and have a but chat. But what if people don't want to watch it at all because it's too intense in some way? Yeah, exactly. It's funny to say horror because I was thinking that with two recent things I've seen that I don't think, I think generally I didn't really like them, um, were Antebellum and Lovecraft Country and they both do a similar thing of like using... Oh, interesting, really? Yeah, using like, um, you know, they're both partially set in like different time periods. They both like show a lot of like torture and misery inflicted on like the black main characters and they both have like also these like kind of semi goofy horror or supernatural elements that are definitely yeah. like genre. Like it's like if you're a horror person, you should watch this. If you like sci-fi, you should watch it. Yeah. And like in some at some points I found them both so intense that I was like, this will have turned off some viewers who can't watch gore, who like get really upset at seeing like, you know, people getting yeah. whipped because it's incredibly depressing to watch. Yeah. And it's like, Which is, we need to see that to some extent, but like, does it mean you're shutting out some percentage of the audience that like just can't stomach it and then they're not going to take away all the good stuff or like all the like value in your story? Which I think like, 
again, everyone has their own personal taste. And I think it's so fair to be like, I don't, I can't personally stomach telling horrific stories through showing us this, the horrific story. But I don't think you can therefore, uh, I guess I can respect this opinion, but I don't think that you can therefore say, so you shouldn't do it. So it shouldn't exist. Yeah. I don't think you can do that. Like I, otherwise I always think about martyrs. Like yeah. that movie to me, it's just this horrific horror film. It's just so, so violent. So incredibly violent, but it's a movie about like what if you could experience abuse and violence to the point that you achieve like transcendence, like that you literally like your brain switches into that of like death while you're alive. And like, it's a kind of movie that I was like, Oh, the only way to tell this horrific, horrific story was through showing us what you did. Right. And it just, it, or it, it, I don't know. It does kind of remind me of the cuties thing of being like, I think, Again, yes, personal taste, but I think art has to do tricky things sometimes to teach us tricky yeah. things. I think it's like the the fact that the movie does disturb you is like like on a really shallow level. There aren't many movies that do that. Like most movies are generally yeah. quite predictable. Yes. And if not, like they're going to be like PG or M rated or something. Like to watch Cuties and to get like a character story and then also have these like very like genuinely – upsetting scenes where I'm like I don't want to watch this like I want to turn away that's an interesting thing to feel to an extent when you see a movie to be like wow this is like viscerally impacting me yeah but yeah (laughs) I I think we've almost said all everything we can about how we feel about it um where should we put cuties in because I feel like this was something people talked about so so much it should be near the top yeah I I agree near the top definitely um over gone with the wind and um, yeah. other shows being removed from streaming platforms. Yeah, I like that. Let's put it in the bronze for now. Okay. I feel like that that'll be our bronze probably because this next issue is pretty pretty light to the extent that it isn't even a controversy. It's just a fucking hilarious thing that everyone in the world needs to know about because <laughs> it makes me smile so much. It's so funny. Oh, are we speaking? Are you both speaking about? The Emmys, the coronavirus era Emmys, where statues were handed to winners um, remotely, and if you lost the Emmy, there was a little there was a little hazmat wearing Emmys <laughs> intern who stole your Emmy away from you and drove into the sunset. It's so sweet. They look so cute. <laughs> but this so isn't literally... a controversy. What is the controversy that people were annoyed that it seems kind of rude that your Emmy just gets taken away from you? I guess so, yeah. But I think the rudeness of the person walking away with your Emmy is is fu- is is so sweet. <laughs> like it, it's it's counted by how sweet the man waving is. So if you haven't, you have to look up the video. It's literally like, for example, well, Shit's Creek won a bunch of Emmys that night, but like it'd be like, and now for best like writing or whatever, and a little person in a hazmat suit that has like a tuxedo on it, <laughs> like stands outside your door with your Emmy, and then when you lose, he just waves goodbye and he walks away. He just leaves. <laughs> so I think the reason, the reason everyone kind of knows about it is because um, Rami, like the TV show Rami, Rami Yusuf, he posted on Twitter a video of the, of the Emmys guy holding a statue that could have been for him, but then when it was announced that, like, Eugene Levy won instead, the guy just waves and walks away. <laughs> 
It's so funny. It's I love it. It's so cute. Did you see the, um, oh, I should have found it for when we re-recorded the, someone was like, I think this is the job listing for what that job was and the qualifications for it. Oh my gosh. Are ridiculous. They're so stupid. It's like, so it's like you need all these degrees and it's like, must be able to work under pressure. And it's like, what pressure? You just have to stand outside a door with it, with a gold statue and then leave. It's pretty embarrassing. Uh, like, you know, this year I've been in LA and I've been either. jobless. I didn't come across this listing to be a little hazmat goblin and show up to like freaking <laughs> Christina Applegate's house. I'd be like, no, no, no. And just like leave with an <laughs> Emmy. Why didn't I get this opportunity? <laughs> I love, again, this, that is the controversy. That's it. It's just that. Can you muster up any anger over this? Like, do you feel controversial at all? Where you're like, this is a bit nasty or you just like it? I'm going to think deep. Um, okay. Come on. Uh, I'm going to put myself in there. I'm going to take a bit of an active approach to this. Imagine. Yeah. Okay. I am, I am Christina. Imagine Applegate. you're Sarah Snook from Succession. I'm Sarah You're Snook. nominated I'm for Sarah- Best leading yeah. actress in a um, outstanding lead okay. actress in a drama. I'm series. so nervous. I'm so nervous. My friend taps me on the shoulder. Oh my god! <gasps> look, look who's there's outside. An He's there, and the guys. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! They're here! They're here! Wow! He's gonna give you an Emmy! Oh my god! That's why he must be and here. The you award won. goes to. <gasps> Who does the award go to? The award goes for P. Pooperson for the Poo Poo P story. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's okay. They, they were really good in that. Where's the Emmy yeah. person? Oh my gosh, they look so cute! They're oh. waving at me. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. He's too cute. <laughs> they wave at so you. So you when don't they think leave. she would care? You think Sarah Snook would no. just be like, "Oh, there you go. Bye." There you go. I do. Yeah. There you go. It's not yeah. a controversy. It's just a golden, golden story. Does that mean it has to go at the bottom of the list, or do you want to put it above Christopher Nolan what? banning chairs on what? set? I think, what have we said? Because we said that the Christian Nolan banning chairs on set one, that's just like we think he's just lying. Well, yeah, I think it's, like, been proven false. Like, he does let you sit on a chair if you need to sit. (laughs) There you go. But I feel like even when we were talking about that, it brought up other stuff that we think is controversial about Christopher Nolan. Yeah, 100%. And about, like, directors being like, oh, I'm important and cool, and it's like, shut up. That's why I think Emmy's hazmat suit is the is the least controversial thing. I agree. It's just a fun news story, right? We just love it. We love him or and her with or them. That or this intern. We have completed oh our 2020 movie controversies list, which we will now. Uh, why don't we go from the bottom to the top, Liz? What do you reckon? From yes. most fun, non-offensive, chill controversy to actual prescient issue that, that has we will lasting think about implications for years, years to come. Indeed. Okay. You can kick it off. Okay. We know the Emmy hazmat people intern guys are at the bottom and we're very <laughs> happy to have them here. We love you. We love them there. Thank you for existing. Thank you for happening, making 2020 just a little bit better. Just above that, the we believe confirmed uh, bullshit story that Christopher Nolan bans the use of chairs on his sets. We and just a, think it's pretty, pretty stupid story. It's pretty yeah, dumb. And, and unfounded. Think, and unfounded. And we think dumb directors thinking they're more important than they are is frustrating. Then above that, we have the controversy of Sonic the Hedgehog getting redesigned to look a little bit more sexy and attractive after fans said he looked too eerily human and that he was in the Uncanny Valley. Yes, which we 
even though it's a bit worrying fans having a hand in the choices of movies, we, we actually like the redesign. It makes sense. So there you go. It worked out in this um, case. Yeah. Yeah. It did work out in this case. Exactly. Just above that, we have media concerns over, uh, Joker shootings and like incel bullshit, uh, also regarding the hunt. Um, yeah, just a, a quite a constant issue, I guess, that's always about, you know, if a movie has a more political theme, possibly how it can inspire Actual different opinions from stupid people. Whatever. But I like how we spoke to the thing of, as always with art, being like, why would we talk more about the art as opposed to the people whose issues and whose, uh, you know, problems in their life can be so easily triggered by art when clearly you know fix and address the source of the problem as opposed to the art that possibly comments on the problem even though something like joker is really bad at commenting on that i don't think we can get too salty at people getting triggered by art like we have a movie podcast we literally think our (laughs) getting triggered at art is important enough to publish and put out into the world yeah 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 i guess so (laughs) You're really keen for me, dear. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's true. It's 100% Above true. That, we're getting into middle tier movie controversies yeah. of 2020. Above that, we have the general like movement of movies either onto streaming services or getting pushed to next year, something that, Noah, you definitely felt a little bit more passionate about than I did. Exactly. This one belongs in the middle of the list because I care about it and Eliza doesn't, which I actually completely understand. This is a real personal taste one that honestly... In listening to this episode, I'm actually keen to hear everyone's thoughts. Would you rather that everything that was going to come out this year just be, you know, would you rather be watching No Time to Die on, you know, your TV with mum and dad next month? Or are you more keen to wait until April next year? I'm genuinely curious about this one. Are you like Hammy Hamilton who says, I'm willing to wait for it in my favourite musical, Hamilton? (laughs) Anyway. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then... Then, then, then we have um, the quite wholesome story that a lot of actually a lot of people know about, which is uh, the Imagine Celebrity Supercut thing, as well as the I Take Responsibility video. Well, did that uh, one of, have a name? It's just called the We Take Responsibility video or something? I, something like <laughs> that, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Just generally just celebrities trying to assert their importance at a point in time where they literally could not be less important. <laughs> And then we had another desecration of celebrity above that one with the news that a filmmaking team was going to use a CGI James Dean in their movie because they didn't think any living actor on the planet was, was worthy of the role. Stupid as hell. And we we worry about this issue in the future, but who knows? Maybe in a few years when we do another one of these, we'll be like, the number one issue is they keep on doing Russell Crowe in CGI and shit. You think he'll be dead in a couple of years? Or do you think he'll just be in demand as like a young Russell Crowe and the actual yeah. old one will be like, please hire me? <laughs> yeah, That'd literally. be interesting. Can, that would be, imagine being like, I haven't been hired for 10 years, but they keep on using a young version of me and shit. Wow. Well, they do that with Leo, I reckon. Damn. Oh, that's so sad. They put like young Leo and Timothy Chalamet in a movie together. Can't you oh, see that? Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, I know. Wow, there we are. Um, next up is the apocalyptic <laughs> Justice League Snyder Cut, the four-hour, like, essentially HBO Max, like, weird mini-series movie of a, essentially a, a cut exists. of a movie that already exists and they have to spend $70 million to make this cut exist. 
yeah, um, we just hate this and we hate that this happens for that stupid movie and not for movies that genuinely there are good cuts of them that exist that the studios won't release. Yeah. Oh, boy. I, I'm i mad about the Snyder Cut. It, it, it didn't fit into our top four. You know, it's five. It's top five. That's fine. It's top five. Do we think it's higher? I don't think it should be higher because look yeah, at the next We four. have a lot of our racism four, in our top, top four. top four is pretty much all based in – actually not all, but mostly based in, like, race controversy, which was, like, such a huge facet of this year's, like, news and events and stuff. Exactly. So yeah. That's yeah. actually no. – Snyder Cut sits snugly in the top five. Like, we love it in five. Ugh, it's, it's a thing that we Snyder Cut sits snugly. I don't like that. Ew. Ugly. Ugh, whatever. Um, above that, we have um, films and TV shows with questionable racial content being pulled from streaming platforms temporarily or permanently. This is, like, mm-hmm. a very broad issue that we, we couldn't totally cover, but... Mm. But it's um, one that will be... It's an issue that we'll be having for a long time, and... I also think a good one to talk about because it's kind of an interesting one to talk with your friends about, I think. Because um, mm. it is the kind of thing that I've spoken to friends about being like, you know, you, if you care more about this than the issues that inspired this issue, like if you care more about things being removed from streaming platforms as a result of BLM than you care about BLM, you've probably got to be having some... Prioritise, some, honey. What some you, deep what chats with yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Um, in the bronze spot at number three, we have the marketing scandal regarding Netflix's, uh, cuties and, uh, whether, yeah, just whether the content of that movie is about fetishizing young girls or like whether the movie's about that or whether it promotes that and how tricky that whole, that whole conversation is. You kind of sim- yeah, kind of similar to the Joker and the Hunt thing, but I think yeah. cuties made people angrier. It did, yeah. And especially there's the part there of being like, did Netflix like utilise what they knew, like the, the trouble that that scandal would inspire to, to make yeah. people watch it? Like, yeah, it's just a big clusterfuck honestly i mean apparently heaps of people unsubscribed from netflix or whatever so you, damn i mean that's there you go. i netflix would probably never release info about that because they're so secretive but like you know yeah. maybe it just didn't work out <laughs> it was a failed yeah, publicity totally. thing in our second place we have like a story that i find kind of wholesome and kind of empowering just because i think john boyega did a great job with this controversy but yeah. it's an issue that we got so much conversation out of John Boyega openly talking about how Disney, Star Wars, J.J. Abrams, how he was disrespected by the new franchise and saying that they should have done better by a black main character that they promised audiences. Indeed, yeah. It's, it's sets a really empowering precedent for the future, hopefully, of, you know, people sacrificing privilege for uh, important things. Uh, and hopefully it's something that, honestly, Daisy Ridley or Oscar Isaac or Adam Driver um, uh, do as well in the future. I'd like to see them kind of step up to the plate too. Sure, because they dogs. absolutely benefited from the things yes. John Boyega is complaining about. Yeah, 100%. And, and our biggest final. controversy. <laughs> I wonder if we could have said the exact same thing at the same time. That would have been truly wild. That would have been wild. I, I doubt we could have. Because no. <laughs> we're miles apart. 
Oh. Even if we're miles and oh miles and miles apart. I always find that very unpleasant oh. to listen to, how she says, even if we're miles and miles. <laughs> like, it's not a nice phrase to hear. No, it sounds horrible. Can we yeah, also just briefly... Theory? Yeah, exactly. Can we also <laughs> just briefly talk about... Um, that all of the Sharpay, like, rock versions of songs in those oh three films that are God. supposed to be bad are way inferior. better. They're, like, way, way, way better. Yeah, you, the you falsetto mean superior, right? Troy has you said to inferior. Do. Yeah, the falsetto that Troy has to do when he goes, when I hear my favourite song, I know, I we, know belong. we belong. I'm like, that's you the best the you've ever sounded, Troy. You need to appreciate literally. Sharpay. She brings out the best in you. It's so <laughs> funny that they literally went from that and then they're like, oh, this sounds bad, and then they sung, Every day. Yeah, worse song. Of our lives. And it's like, are you kidding me? How is this better yeah. than the rock bit, like bop, that Sharpay had going? Mm. You know what? Every day at the end of High School Musical 2, it's totally an imagine celebrity supercut moment. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Where you're like, wah, 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 whatever. Yeah, we get it, we get it, we get it, literally. Oh, anyway, my God. Big- we need to crown <laughs> this controversy. We need to announce exactly. what is the biggest, in our opinion, what is the biggest or most memorable or most important movie controversy of 2020? Yes, it is Mulan in general. Mulan's treatment of its, uh, its oh, gosh, it's just so multitude. The way that they <laughs> where filmed it. I literally, it's like, where do I start? The way that they filmed it in an area where there were Uyghur Muslims in re-education camps the way that the lead actress has publicly uh spoken out in support of the hong kong police and the horrible representation behind the scenes of you know an all-white director producers writers costume designers all of the above and it cost Um, 40 bloody dollars on even Disney if you Plus. have, like, you have to already have a Disney subscription to even have the privilege of paying the forty dollars. How crazy. for this really bad film as well? For a film that again we didn't even talk about that. Like, we neither of us have seen the film, but we do not hear good things. <laughs> oh, we well. need to, We probably need to watch it. <laughs> like now that we've we've like bitched about it this much, we. That's true. I probably will end up watching it at one point. Oh mm. gosh. But there you yeah, go. Mulan, congratulations. You really embodied everything that was shocking, newsworthy, and interesting about 2020. Streaming services, Disney being the boss of everything and ruling the world. Mm. And being Hong Kong. Trying to perform wokeness instead of actually being woke. Yep. We hate. Indeed. So well done, Amazing. Mulan. And well done to you, listener, if you've made it to the end of these two parts. They were very chunky. We yeah. originally, so funny, we originally were like, oh, yeah, we'll do like a little 20-minute episode. Like, it'll it'll be probably cute. take like um, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. <laughs> like been... three and a half hours maybe later hours. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you love the podcast and uh, you want to hear more, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us wherever you listen, and tell your friend about us. And we're really sorry it's been so long since we've had episodes. We miss it so so much. much, We really, really do. So when we can start recording more easily, we promise we'll get back into the swing of things, and it would be awesome if you could help us do that as well. Um, If you would like to get in touch with us about a request for movies we could do or things we could talk about, or you have some opinions on anything we've talked about, you can contact us at twinpixpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And we also have a Facebook and Instagram where we share lots of fun things, uh, such as I think for these two episodes, I would like to hear people's opinions on the streaming thing. I'm going to put up a little poll to say, yeah. to ask you guys how you feel about movies being pushed to 2021. Would you rather that happen or would you 
rather you could just watch you just it on want phone it now, right now even if it's on your shitty little laptop screen or whatever indeed indeed there you go um and wow. liz do you want to tell the folks about rough cut yes if you're looking for more movie discussion roughcutfilm.com is the movie website i founded with my friends and we recently did a thing rounding up all of our um favorite like new things we got into during quarantine like movies and tv shows and stuff Oh, that's really cool. Can you give me a little say, what's some what are some cool things you've been getting into recently? Oh, at the moment, I feel so, like, lethargic. All I watch is um, any reality show that has full episodes on YouTube. <laughs> um, to Catch that's a Predator, so Kitchen Nightmares. Um, you know what? I don't want to say To Catch a Predator is reality TV. That's really bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> that is, Kitchen like, Nightmares. all of my viewing. That, that is, yeah. That's literally me two years ago. I've stopped watching To Catch a Predator. I thought so, it was oh, made, wow. ruining my brain a bit. But, it's, yeah. It does. It's very, very unhealthy <laughs> to watch it that is, show. It is, yeah. I have, that is, like, a whole other episode, my opinions on that whole thing. But, yes, I do understand the... Uh, the joy in watching that show. Oh I have been God. there before. What if we did an episode of ranking every predator? That would be the most, like, at the end of it, I would not be oh alive. I would want gosh. to be committed somewhere. That would be the most, that like, toxic actually, thing possible. Yeah, that actually would be the most toxic thing in the world. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's horrible. <laughs> actually, I'm going to look up right now if that podcast exists, because if it does, they they really need help. Yeah, that's I troubling. saw a podcast the other day. Um, really great, like Australian writer Clementine Ford. She posted a thing that there's this podcast that exists where it's two men, and every episode they break down the things that other women are doing. Like they do an what? episode on like lip fillers, and they're like, "What do we think of women doing lip fillers and stuff?" Huh? <laughs> and it's like, who? Why do you care? <laughs> gets together their friends and goes, "Let's talk about that." Isn't that? But, like, absolutely um, Yeah, I'm interested in what kind of topics they would actually cover. Like, that seems weird that it's, like, I guess if they're just kind of, like, making fun of it and being, like, ha-ha, women suck or whatever, like, sadly that kind of makes sense to me. But the idea that you would um, have, like, Focus multiple episodes. Thing. Yeah, just, like, yeah, a whole but, episode talking about lip fillers and how you feel about it. I'm, like, what? Like, just, bleh, I don't yeah, know. I do. That seems so boring. <laughs> I agree. Well, there you go. What That's about you? Team. Have you had any nice discoveries lately? Yeah, I have. I've had oh, lots, God, you've obviously. watched like four movies a day, yeah. I've been doing lots and lots and lots, yeah. Well, I've been filming a short film actually with I, um, Darcy, yeah. which has been super fun. So we finally finished filming. Um, I like hurt my back doing it because oh. we filmed it out the back in like this creepy cubby house we have and it was just like so difficult. It really hurt. <laughs> so I've been doing that. But other than that, I've been – Watching Angel. I'm watching Angel because I finished Buffy oh. a while ago. Watching Angel, um, but movie Don't wise, call me Angel. Does he ever say that? <laughs> no, he doesn't really. He kind mm. of just broods, broods around the place, broody, broody. Nice. Like, yeah, I've been watching the genres I'm really diving into this year that I haven't before are westerns and like martial arts movies. So I've been doing lots of those, mm-hmm. um, which I'd actually love to do some on the podcast at some point. Um, nice. And I've been, as you know, I've been working through the AFI Top 100. I've been really getting back into that. Very um, cool. Treasure of the Sierra Madre really kicked my ass the other day. That was dope as hell. But you Great didn't movie. appreciate the stinking badges line. We don't need no stinking badges. No, because why is it famous? Why is that a famous line? I just don't get I it. I think it's like, just so well delivered and it kind of sticks in your brain and, and yeah, people remembered it back then and they've passed it on to now and like true. memed it into recognition for for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, you're right. I've been watching a lot of movies and I'm going to continue doing that 
for you, my little listener friend. Oh, scary. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, wow. Well, thanks, thank you everyone. so much for doing this with me, Noah. Oh my gosh. I can't believe this we redid it. Yeah, I, I have to say, guys, I was like really sad for one whole day. I like got all these programs no. that were like how to get back things that have been deleted in the trash can. And every single thing was like, yeah, it actually is really easy. You can do it with essentially any file except for GarageBand, which is impossible. <laughs> like all these lists were like the only one that you can never get back to GarageBand. I was like, oh, no. what? Why? What? Uh, hmm. Anyway, we missed you. It Anthony. worked out. And um. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I am so stunned this hasn't happened to us up to this point. Before, literally. Surely at some point it would have happened, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Stay uncontroversial. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)